Hey, Foamy, I want the news, not the weather. <laughs> Mars, did you hear me sing Werewolf Flanders? Finley! <laughs> Eyes bigger than your stomach, eh, Wolfie? <laughs> Spoiler warning for dog soldiers. Trigger warning for the death of a dog or if you hate awesome movies. Please like, share and subscribe this terrible show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at HorrorPod69. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Slasher and Goodreads. Become part of the Disturbed community by asking for the Facebook group and Discord links. Send dick pics to the Horror of Babylon podcast at gmail.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash the Horror of Babylon. You probably won't regret giving us money. Welcome to episode 26 of the Horror of Babylon, where we will be discussing dog soldiers. I'm Ryan, and with me as always is Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Did you bring me one of those? <laughs> yes. Okay, great. So before we get into our episode, we are just going to go over our Patreon details real quick. We've actually had a Patreon up the entire time. Um, that we have been doing this, but we've actually set up tiers for it. So we figure we should probably actually just, you know, maybe mention that on the show if we ever wanted anybody to possibly do it. We're gonna we're gonna show a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, and also t- definitely open to feedback on this. If yeah. you have any, you know, ideas that you would like to see as a reward, or any thoughts on the pricing structure, especially if you have experience with it, because we. We do not. Yeah, and again, we we've said this initially. We're not here looking to make money. Just a little support for the show would be great. So any feedback you have to get us towards that goal would be wonderful. Uh, but we have four tiers. We have the Dollar Baby tier, which is a dollar a month, which gives us general support. You get a patron role in our Discord server. You get a shout out on the show. You get access to some behind-the-scenes material like outtakes and test recordings. And you get the new episodes a day early. You get it on Saturday instead of Sunday. And then the constant listener level at $5, you get everything from the previous tier. Plus you get access to our pre-show, which we record a pre-show every week. And those are posted to our Patreon page. And there's a lot of great nonsense in there for you. Yeah, lots. And they are less edited than a regular episode. I, I still have taken some things out of them. But they are less edited than a regular It's show. a little bit more raw. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the third tier is the Guest of Room 217 tier for $19 a month. Everything from the previous two tiers plus 
you will uh, get to decide the content of a bonus episode once a month on either the film or comic of your choice. So we'll do an episode just for you. Everybody will get to listen to it, but you get to decide what it's on. And uh, when I say comic, I, I mean like a, a graphic novel or uh, a one-shot, a mini-series. I, I don't Maybe mean... Maybe even if you have like a decent webcomic you can link us to. Yeah, just not like, hey, here's $19. Can you guys review all of Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. <laughs> we, we gotta... We gotta be realistic with our standards. And then the top tier is the Gunslinger tier. I love the title of your tiers. <laughs> uh, the uh, that one is fifty a month. Everything from the previous tiers, uh, so you will get your own bonus episode on a film or a comic, and you get your own monthly bonus episode on the book of your choice. So we'll read a book for you, but it's fifty bucks. Yeah, and I I honestly agree with this pricing just because of how slow of readers I we are. Yeah, but that, that's a lot of hours to put in. It is, but I I'm also willing to read just about anything. I love recommendations. Yep, same. Um, and we are also putting together a short list for next year's lineup on the horror of Babylon. So if you have suggestions, even if you're you're not interested in doing the Patreon thing at all, but if you have things you're interested in us covering please hit us up on social media and suggest those we'll add it to our short list i have a list of things that have been suggested by listeners we're definitely going to do one or two of them off that list for sure and it's not finalized yet so plenty of time no and these things change all the we change them on the fly sometimes Yeah, we change it all the time yeah. like we weren't going to cover firestarter at all until we realized that there was a movie coming out and we're like oh we got a gm firestarter yeah we can grift into this yeah exactly <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening. That's enough on the Patreon for now. Jumping into our episode, as we said, we are discussing Dog Soldiers. This will, episode will be releasing in June, but last month, May 10th, Dog Soldiers hit its 20th anniversary, and it is a favorite of mine and of Daniel's, so we decided to jam it in here for a surprise episode. We originally were going to cover... Pennywise, the story of it, the fan-made documentary of the making of the 1990 miniseries. It turns out can't get that, get a physical copy of that Blu-ray unless you backed the original product uh, project. So we're going to do Dog Soldiers instead, and I'm not too disappointed. I'm not. Too, I got to watch Dog Soldiers again. So. Yeah. So just a little. Um, actually, before we get into background on it, Daniel, can you just tell us about your history with Dog Soldiers? You know, I kind of forget how I was introduced to the film. I sort of remember just kind of buying the DVD because it looked cool. It has a cool cover. And I was, and I like, that was back when I would buy DVDs all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used to have a really bad DVD buying habit. I watched it. I really liked it. I can't remember if I saw a review first. I don't remember seeing any reviews or anything for it first. Sometimes I go through like little kicks. I get like a hyper focus going where I just want a certain kind of content. Like, recently I've been all about the J-Horror, so I have all these J-Horror books I've been reading. Back then, I think I was just on a werewolf kick. I saw a werewolf movie. Have you ever uh, had a movie and had a fake history of it in your head that you thought was your head, that you thought was real, until you saw evidence to the, the contrary? Uh, every once in a while, yeah. So, I said back on our first episode way back when that 
I kind of got into horror movies when my mom would drop me off at our local video store to keep me occupied while my brother went to piano lessons. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this is where I saw this movie. But that was when I was in, like, late elementary school, early middle school. Yeah. And while I was researching this movie, I real this movie came out in 2002, at which point I was in eighth grade. So this, I didn't see it at that point in my life. Yeah. So I'm not really sure when or where or how I saw this, but I saw this when I was a kid at some point and loved it and then hadn't seen it again until a couple nights ago. And spoiler alert, I still love it. Yeah, I still love it too, so... I was just a little worried that I wasn't going to like it, it wasn't going to hold up, and then like like 10 minutes and I'm like, no, this movie's awesome. I was actually texting somebody while I was watching it and they asked me what I was doing. I was like, watching Dog Soldiers. And he's like, oh god, why are you doing that? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, isn't that movie bad? I was like, have you seen, seen it? it? He's like, well no, it's just like, uh, it looks like, he said it looks super low budget. I'm like, yeah, well, it, it is low. It is. And I was like, well it has this huge cult following for a reason. And he's like, mm -hmm. well what do you mean? I'm like, I was like, it's kind of like if you took the movie Predator but put werewolves in it instead. And made it better. <laughs> I love Predator, but yeah. I don't. <laughs> don't. Don't judge a movie you haven't seen. Don't take other people's words for movies. Obviously, you can't watch every movie out there, but if you haven't seen it, don't don't talk shit on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have. I knew a person who. It was. It was back when Solo came out. And, you know, Solo had just come out. I was super, super excited. I was still working at a comic book store. Hey, man, hey, man, did you see Solo? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to go see that. Oh, why not? Do you, you not like Star Wars? No, I have a friend who went to film school, and he saw it, and he said it was bad, so I'm just going to take his word for it, and I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I went to film school. My story has a happier ending. I convinced him to watch it. I didn't bother. I, I ended the conversation right there. <laughs> I can dig it. I can feel the sea thing from years ago now. I was so mad. The scream, the sound wave of your scream has finally caught up with us. The vampires are pure myth, superstition. I may be able to bring you proof that the superstition of yesterday can become the scientific reality of today. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about the the background on this movie. Uh, it was written and directed by Neil Marshall, who did Doomsday, Centurion, The Reckoning, and Hellboy 2019, the newer Hellboy. Neil Marshall actually spent six years refining the script and finding funding for the movie. He This movie came out in 2002. He wrote the first draft of the script in 1996. It's a big history. Yeah, for his thesis, he wanted to avoid werewolf cliches and folk and take the focus away from the people who were becoming the werewolves, how they transform, mm -hmm. and put it more on the the victims, the people who are being chased by the werewolves. We're going to talk about that more when we get to themes. Uh, this is a British film. It was shot in Luxembourg. It was made for two point three million pounds, and it took in five million pounds. Converted to American dollars in 2022 money, that's $2.8 million budget and made $6.2 million. So that's actually pretty good. That's about, it's more, ugh, it's not quite triple yeah. what the budget was. So it's actually pretty well. Uh, the, like Daniel said, this movie has a huge cult following. 
It's actually very well received by fans and critics. As I've stated in the past, I hate Rotten Tomatoes, but it, it actually has like a super high, it has like an 80 or something. Yeah, for a werewolf movie, a low budget werewolf movie. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. And for honors, uh, at the Brussels International uh, Festival of Fantasy Films, it took home the Golden Raven, which is their top award, and it also won the Audience Award for Best Picture. And when it was released in the United States, it was released as a TV movie on the Sci-Fi Channel, so that unfortunately did not get a theatrical release in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, in terms of home media, we did get a DVD edition in 2002, came out on Blu-ray in 2009. Apparently the original Blu-ray uh, was a very low quality, so they did a re-release on Blu-ray in 2015, where Neil Marshall actually remastered the movie for the second Blu-ray release. Hmm. In 2019, it had a 4K release on three discs, DVD, Blu-ray, and UHD. And I looked up this collection on eBay, and there were less than 10 of them posted, and the range on the price was 45 to $150. Have you seen the uh, Dog Soldier action figure? No. You should look that up. Sure. <laughs> Going to eBay. Ryan, I have to tell you, I've never been more tempted in my life. Do you own this? I do not own this. <laughs> if I would have known about it back in the day, I would have bought it. Hundo 30, 200, Hundo 50, 500, 180, 190. Well, that's different, but... Yeah, the, yeah. Those, are the, those are the ones that are up. You should click on one and get like, a closer look. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty... Not bad. Yeah, I like it. I, I didn't know that this existed until I was doing research for it <laughs> while I was watching the movie. I kind of feel like he, they should have like a werewolf dong hanging between their legs. You know, that's one of the few things I would have added. Would have been Let's werewolf look at the back dong. of the box. The pumpkin heads on the back. Automatic win. They got a Dune figure. I don't know, what, like, what this. It, it kind of reminds me of a McFarlane figure, but it's not a McFarlane figure. Mm-hmm. Weird. I like it. There's not enough cool werewolf toys out there. Yeah, need more werewolf toys. Uh, when I was a kid, I had the the werewolf from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, me too. He, he was wearing like the plaid T-shirt. We will be talking about the development hell for the sequel towards the end of the episode. Yeah, we're gonna focus on the actual movie to first. Start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so structure and themes. First, we're gonna get into the structure. Tell me a little bit about how how the film is structured its pace and how that affects your experience watching it so the film uh, starts off you know little camping scene yep uh this is pretty much to it's to introduce two things uh the deus ex machina mm -hmm. it's one of my very few complaints about the movie the silver knife. The, the silver knife right at the beginning of the movie oh what's that going to be used for because those two people got they get murdered yeah they get murked but at the same time, that scene kind of builds up a little bit of suspense. I love the tent kill. Yeah, it's a great. And then it bounces between, or not between, but bounces over to our main character. It's Cooper, right? Private Cooper. Cooper. He's like trying out for like a special force Spec squad. Ops. Yeah. And he fails because he can't shoot a dog in the face. If you if you're making a movie and you want to establish in the first ten minutes that your villain is a dick. Have him murder a dog. Guy, guy murders a dog. 
But then after that, it just transitions to them doing a military exercise. Cooper's with a normal army squad. Mm -hmm. They got fake guns. Mm -hmm. They're going into the woods. And it's a lot of character building from there. They're telling some stories. You're kind of getting a feel for a lot of their personalities. Mm -hmm. Love Spoonie. Yeah, Spoonie's great. But as soon as the werewolves hit the fan, it kind of becomes sort of a uh, hunter-prey sort of story. There's a lot of stalking. Uh, There's like... Right off the bat, it's super quick pace, but once they get into the house, it's, uh, oh, uh, Night of the Living Dead. So, But with werewolves. That's one of the things I have under themes, and part of the reason I like it a lot. I've said it on the show before, I love siege stories. Same. I have been fascinated by the Alamo my whole life. I love Helm's Deep and the Lord of the Rings. Night of the Living Dead is one of my favorite all-time horror movies. I don't know if it quite counts, but the, uh... I'm going to butcher this name, the Battle of uh, Thermopylae. Thermopylae, yes. Was that, that, was that correct? Yeah, that counts. That, again, the basic white guy loves the 300 yeah. <laughs> allegory. The Mist. The Mist. Yeah, I, I love all those kinds of stories. And this is because they they do have that chase for a little bit, mm-hmm. but then they get to the house, and then they're at the house for the rest of the movie. And it's a siege. It's how can we survive or get away. Right. And you get to see some creative solutions and some creative kills, and it's kind of it's good fun. And it, more on themes, um, what we were talking about, how Neil Marshall wanted to avoid your typical werewolf tropes, but some of them are included in the movie. So tell me a little bit, what werewolf tropes are in the movie, and then maybe what are some that aren't? You, you definitely, you got the full moon. They, yeah. they directly reference that. Howling. And, uh you got the silver knife right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, silver is always something that I think is really hard to balance in a werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't have it, all I can think is, oh, this is how you're trying to be different. Yep. But when you do have it, I'm like, okay, how are you going to introduce the bullshit silver? <laughs> so you're, There's a no you're win, damned. Yeah, it's a no-win situation. I finished listening to it Part 4 yesterday with the yeah. werewolf and the, and the silver... And the silver slugs and the slingshot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's probably one of the ways it was handled the best, because mm-hmm. you might actually, a kid might actually have some silver dollars that somebody left them. Yeah, and then, like, melting them down and making them into slugs isn't completely outside the realm of possibility. It does take a smart kid like Ben Hanscom to do it, but... Other than that, there's not, there's not a lot... So um, they avoid the origin story of the werewolves themselves altogether, mm-hmm. other than Megan, which is a twist at the end of the movie. You don't actually know any of the werewolves as characters. Yeah. We don't know how they became werewolves. We don't know anything about their lives. We don't get the, like, I'm trying to find a way to change back. And if you think about it, that stuff really doesn't matter, especially no. in this movie. Mm-hmm. It would have been... It would have been too much if they tried to it, add all that in It would have been overwritten. It would have been overstuffed. Right. It worked without it. Uh, it's one of those examples of when less is more. Mm-hmm. And for this, it worked. Uh, you got a military dude who wants to kidnap a werewolf to use for military experiments. Yep. How they found out there was a werewolf there, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't matter to the plot. Right how the werewolf came to be there. That doesn't matter. What matters is these characters and how they're handling the situation they're in. Right. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about some characters. We're going to start off with our protagonist, Private Cooper. He's played by Kevin McKidd. 
Kevin McKidd is super famous these days because he's one of those sexy docs, doctors who likes to have sex all the time in Grey's Anatomy. I have never seen Grey's Anatomy. Well, I've never seen an episode start to finish, but <laughs> living in a house with a woman who's beautiful and whom I love to death, I have I have seen some Grey's Anatomy. That's why I don't date white women. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's more than white women that like Grey's Anatomy. But, Probably. Uh, but... He he actually has a pretty uh, good career. He played Finn Round, Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. He played Batman in the Flashpoint Paradox movie. He was huh. Poseidon in Percy Jackson. He w- he was in Brave. He was in Train Spotting. He, he has a pretty great career. He has a good IMDb list. So, what do you think of one? What do you think of Cooper the character? And then two, what do you think of Kevin McKidd's? portrayal as the character. I think he did a good job with what he was given. I'm a fan of the fact that he didn't shoot the dog. Yeah. He really stuck to his guns or didn't stick to his guns. But at the same time, like every time I watched the movie, I kept expecting something to come up of, like, why did you refuse to shoot? Like, you're training for spec ops. They ask you to do fucked up shit all the time. I just I just took it as I never questioned it past then. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have shot the dog. <laughs> And that's that's that. I just imagine that most people who would go out for special forces are, are the kinds of people who would be willing to shoot a dog if they were ordered to shoot the dog. I get for me, like granted, I would never go out for special yeah, forces. Yeah, I mean me either. But so. I would just okay, like if the test is you want me to shoot a dog, what kind of shit are you going to ask me to do during the real job? I don't want this job <laughs> anymore, so fuck shooting the dog. And. uh his character ever since then is pretty much portrayed as he's very protective of his squad. Mm-hmm. He, he he's not quite like a good boy status. He's not poorly written or anything. Just I think that a lot of the characters around him, I, I found a lot of the other side characters way more interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that he's super interesting, but he serves he serves the role he has in the movie very well. He's a, he's a very main character. My favorite line from him is probably where he's talking to Megan and he. I forget the exact conversation, but it, it ends with him saying, well, I don't scare easy. <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, fun one, uh, one-liners in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of callbacks in this movie, too. They make lots of references. Uh, right at the beginning of the movie, they make a Star Trek reference. Did you catch that? Not off the top of my head. So when, when they find the the camp of the spec ops guys and realize they're all dead mm-hmm. one of them goes oh my god it's the kobayashi maru we can't win <laughs> which if you know yeah. your star trek lore is the the test at starfleet academy that's an unwinnable test that tries to teach starfleet officers to face death but famously kirk changed the parameters of the test and beat it he be- cheated because he he doesn't <laughs> believe in a no-win scenario <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was a pretty cool reference. Um, so moving on to Sergeant Wells, who is the the leader of the the regular squad of soldiers. He's played by Sean Peer, uh, Pertwee. Pertwee. Pertwee, who <laughs> was he was Alfred in Gotham, and he was Inspector Lestrade in Elementary, and. As we'll go over some of the actors here, you'll see that Neil Marshall likes to put actors um, he knows in his movies because 
Sean was also in The Reckoning and Doomsday, which are both also new Marshall movies. So what, what are your thoughts on this character? Sergeant's probably who I liked the most. Yeah. He's very, I don't want to say stereotypical, but he is that, that sergeant character. He's like Lieutenant Dan, is who he <laughs> kind of reminds me of. Yeah. He's kind of a hard ass, but he's all about his squad. And he has these really good anecdotes and stories. I love the story he has about the devil tattoo. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, the devil saved his skin. Oh, he gets he gets gutted super early in the movie, and it's all about. Uh, and he's trying to get his squad to leave him because his innards are hanging out. <laughs> yeah. And Cooper, for being the uh, kind of good boy he is, refuses to leave him. Right. And they're, they're basically taping his innards back inside of him. They super glue them. Yeah. They super glue them together. <laughs> and that that always gets to me. Uh, yeah, it's pretty gross. The the scene where he's drinking while they're preparing to do it, while they're yeah. drinking the whiskey. Uh, I would drink too. Yeah, I don't know. That's super great. Typically with, like, sergeants, there's, there's like, two stereotype characters. There's, like, your Lieutenant Dan character, and then... Arlie Ermey's character from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. They're like a total asshole, or they're like kind of an asshole, but also the, protective. Those are the ways you can go. Yeah. And he definitely leans to that the Lieutenant Dan side is really good. Yeah. He, he, know, he knows how to talk to his squad and what to do to get them to succeed. And he gets like the first one to die I think his name is Bruce mm-hmm. which he run. We'll, we'll talk about that during scary shit um, but he gets so upset when the first one dies mm-hmm. and he, he gets they all get as these uh, squad guys die everybody gets upset about every, there's no like red shirt character where like oh sergeant what's his face just died oh well pull out the next one they, they try their heart absolute hardest to build these characters up as best as they can and for the most part i think they succeed yeah i mean i remember most of these characters names spoonie bruce there was the young guy who got pulled out of the window that was funny yeah i I laugh every time that happens okay so uh megan played by emma cleesby uh, she actually doesn't have like a huge acting career. She doesn't have um, very many things on her IMDb page. But one thing she was in was Doomsday, which is also a Neil Marshall movie mm-hmm. going along with that. So this, what, what do you think of Megan? What do you think of the twist? Did you see the twist coming? Uh, the first time I watched it when I was a wee baby, Daniel, I didn't. I think it's a little bit more obvious watching it as an adult. I definitely saw it when I watched it the other night, I don't know if I saw when I when I was a kid or not. I think she has the best one-liner in the whole film. It's that time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh every time I hear that. So, I, love, I love how we think that's funny, but we thought Liar Liar Pants on Fire was dumb. I was like, where's the line? I... I don't. It's partially the delivery, and I guess partially the context. Yeah, because like, liar, liar, pants on fire is like they're both obvious, but in different ways. Like it's that time of the month. She's talking about the lunar cycle. I guess, and part of it too is like, I'm laughing on and off through all of Dog Soldiers. I I listened. There, yeah, I listened to a review of. Firestarter, and somebody said what their primary one of the primary issues with it was there's like no comedy like nowhere throughout it. 
And when when it might have been okay with that liar liar pants on fire line if they were a little more cheeky yeah but no the movie's super serious the entire way through and dog soldiers has a lot of fun with its movie yeah like it doesn't try to be a straight like it's not trying to be evil dead no but at the same time it's like it's still a werewolf movie yeah and there's there's an inherent silliness to some concepts these days there there was a time where you could play werewolves super straight mm-hmm. and they were super terrible but it's such a played out concept even by 2002 standards that you're like well we got to do a couple tongue-in-cheek things here and there yeah and there's a little bit of levity i think that's why i didn't like the wolfman remake so much because they played that movie so freaking straight i haven't seen the remake yeah they well they play it super freaking straight and there's like no comedy and i don't need like marvel levels of comedy in all my horror movies sometimes that backfires like it chapter two yeah there, there is a balancing act, and I think Dog Soldiers is one of those movies that finds it. Right. Um, so and that's why I think that line works. The twist aside, uh, what do you think of Megan, the character? Uh, I thought she was a little bland. She didn't. It wasn't a bad performance. Again, when you go in knowing the twist and you're looking for the stuff, oh, this woman was out driving in the middle of nowhere, and she happens to know the werewolf family, and mm-hmm. she's kind of watching them all super fascinated. So I kind of liked her, but... When I was a kid, like a paranormal zoologist was kind of like a dream job of mine. We could still do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too late to let your children starve. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of like the character just for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying as well. I guess I could still do it. I, mean, <laughs> I, I could still be a paranormal zoologist. I, I could too, it's just... You're responsible. Yeah, I need to feed children and pay for a house. (laughs) I can live in my car. Okay, so moving to our villain, Captain Ryan, who is played by uh, Liam Cunningham. So here are some of his IMDb credits. Game of Thrones, Clash of Titans, Masters of the Universe, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Blood the Last Vampire. He's been in some stuff. I liked him. Yeah. Uh, he, he played that super scummy role really well. Oh my god, I hated him so much. <laughs> he he leaned into it. it it's, uh, it's another one of those sort of cheeky little things. It's mm-hmm. Here's this kind of over-the-top... The Dog-murdering ma- son of a bitch. The mayor from Jaws villain. Uh, don't you ever compare me to the Jaws mayor. Please don't be like the mayor in Jaws. <laughs> Never compare me to the Jaws mayor. Never! <laughs> you know, he's just like... I, I'm fine sending the squad out with fake guns to, like, lure out the werewolves. Oh, there's supposed to be one! <laughs> and that's kind of... And I'm just sitting around going, man, you guys should have been prepared for more than one, though. Like, he should have thought of that. Okay, detour. Yeah. I was watching this episode of The Simpsons the other day that I've I've probably... If you told me I have seen this episode three di- in the three digits, I would not be shocked. <laughs> okay. But I just realized while I was watching it the other day that it's a Jaws parody, or at least part of it was. <laughs> okay. So I don't remember exactly. What, it's somewhere like nine, ten, season nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in that range. Bart and Millhouse are going to summer camp. They get on the bus for summer camp, and Nelson says that he's going to beat them up all week. So they hop off the back of the bus, and they're like, "Well, I don't want to go home." What are we going to do? Hey, let's go live at the mall for a week. <laughs> so they decide they're going to live at the mall. And the the mall owner and the cops think there's giant rats living at the mall. 
and Chief, Chief Wiggum tries to get the owner of the mall to shut uh, to shut down the mall for Labor Day weekend, and the mall owner's like, it's, he does like almost the exact same speech as the the mayor. From it's Johnson. the biggest weekend. <laughs> I can't year. do it. I can't shut down. You, you tell me I can't shut down the mall on Labor Day weekend. Blah blah. blah. It, I just like I've seen this episode maybe a hundred times, and it just now it just just now clicked that this is Jaws. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of what Ryan reminds me of. Yeah. Uh, just that super self-serving, scummy sort of dude, which would be cliche, and it probably still is, but he's leaning into it. Yeah. And the script leans into it. Yeah. He's literally the guy who goes, if you can't shoot a dog, you can't be on my team. <laughs> I don't want to be on your team. Man. And he even brings it up like later. He's like, it's ironic. If you would have shot that dog, you would have been dead with the rest of my squad. Yeah. I like that part. I wonder if, because he had a bunch of other people there with him, and they all got killed by the werewolves. Did they all have to shoot dogs? I, I'm assuming so. Or something, something similar. Something dog-esque. Yeah. And like I remember thinking as a kid, was like, was he trying to get them to shoot dogs so they'd be able to shoot werewolves? Because I'd be willing to shoot a werewolf, Ryan. I wouldn't be willing to shoot a dog. To me, those those are not the same. <laughs> yeah, thing they're not the same right? at all. But that's what, like, where my brain went as a child. Like, is that what he's trying to train them to do? Because he could have gotten, like, I wouldn't have shot a wolf either, but that would have made more no, sense. I would not shoot a wolf. I mean, uh, other than in self-defense, I would not shoot any canine animal. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's where my brain went as a kid. And I don't, and watching it again, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if it was just to see if he'd follow any order. I think it's more like that. Yeah. But that's what, like, that's the difference between, like, baby Daniel and... Here's 35-year-old Daniel watching. Kill you all! <laughs> I'll drive you crazy and I'll kill you all! I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Okay, so let's jump into scary shit. And I'm going to ask you if this movie is scary, but I want two answers. One, did it scare baby Daniel? And two, does it scare adult Daniel? Uh, it got baby Daniel a lot more. I think there's some scary stuff in this movie. Um, as many times as I've watched the movie, I don't think it's possible to scare me. I think it's more fun than it is scary. Yes. It does a few things really well. It does jump scares well, surprisingly. Okay, so I've been waiting for an opportunity to tell this story. Okay. Uh, so I'm the only person in my house, in a house of four, I'm the only one who watches anything horror. Uh, so I have to look for opportunities to watch these things. Okay. I, I waited for Beck to fall asleep. We have a TV in our bedroom. So it's like, okay, now I'm going to put on Dog Soldiers. I'm going to start watching it. It gets, and I completely forgot this was in the movie. It gets to the part where the werewolves throw the cow onto the, the campfire. <laughs> I had the, like, it was really quiet mm -hmm. while they're telling that story about the tattoo. So I had the volume up to like 50 something. <laughs> and then the, the werewolves threw the cow on the campfire and everybody starts shooting. And Beck wakes up yelling, What the fuck is going on? What the fuck are you watching? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, I think it does. And I'm a guy that's like really against jump scare horror. But what it does when is. When it's it, every other thing. And when it uses jump scares, it doesn't give you, like, a big musical sting. It just no. does the thing. Yeah, like... It just grabs the dude out of the window. It just throws the cow. That that got me. I, I think the scare factor on this movie is pretty low. But where what it does do 
effective is basically like gross stuff some body or like okay so some things that got me aside from the cow uh bruce running into the fallen tree and impaling himself yeah uh the the guy who he runs into the shed jumps in starts the car turns on the and, light and the werewolf is right there that i it's think is right there and it's eating his friend that's who's one, still alive i think that's one of the best scenes yeah because kind of expect something to happen but you don't know what and it's mm-hmm. super visceral and then the werewolf just lobs the head at the car <laughs> which was funny these these creatures are sadistic in the movie they're not just hunting to eat no they're fucking torturing these people Pro- the worst part of it for me was that the guy he was who was being eaten was still alive and like he sees his friend in the car and he like tries to go like and wave at him but that was bad um but like the gutting uh, where where the sergeant gets gutted. There is no spooning. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a pile of guts. <laughs> that that entire last sequence when they're going through the house. That was great. and like they're like like holding doors shut to closets and like spraying mm-hmm. flamethrower hairspray. Yep, doing whatever they can to survive. That's my favorite part in the whole movie. Probably. I love when they're in the wardrobe and he shoots out the floor of the wardrobe so that it falls. He, he shoots the floor to weaken the floorboards so the wardrobe falls through the floor into the kitchen to get them away from the werewolves. Yeah. Like, if I was going to give it, like, a scary rating, like, if I did it, like, a 1 to 10, it'd probably be, like, a 3 or a 4. It's Yeah, it's not... It, it's low. There's probably some stuff that'll get some people. I, I have no idea if this scared me as a kid. I wouldn't be surprised if it if it did because I was pretty scarable as a kid. Yeah. These days, it takes a lot. But it's like an enjoyment factor. It's like an 8 or a 9. Yeah, it's very high. Um, I've always said this is one of my favorite horror movies. It's definitely up there. Yeah. It probably cracked my top 10. Um, and a big part of it is for me is the practical effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a good time to talk about the werewolves themselves. It does a really good job of just giving you little glimpses of the werewolves up until like the last 30 minutes. It, where... And even there, you don't really get, like, a big full-body shot that's well-lit of a werewolf. You you do, like, the where they crawl in the bedroom scene where the Sarge is up there Mm -hmm. sleeping. You kind of get to see, like, a full-body shot, but it's so dark. And they do quick cutaways. Part of that is to hide some of the budgetary stuff, yeah. And part of it is... To build, it's again how I'm always saying less is more, and how your imagination will do more. But it's just like you know, a Star Wars type thing where yeah. when you you have a low budget and really creative people it, who know their practical effects, then that's when the best things happen. Exactly. I would rather see a quick glimpse of a decent looking shot than a really long bad shot. Yeah. Uh, so this came out in two thousand and two. So this is just like when CG was just starting to become mainstream mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Granted, this wasn't a Hollywood movie. This was a British movie. Um, so it wasn't likely to ever have CG in it. But let's say that this was a Hollywood movie. Everything's the same, except they do all the, everything in CG instead of practical effects. How we, do you think that would change the movie? It would have been worse. Yeah. Uh, we would have seen the werewolves crawling up the side of the building uh, and they would have lingered on the shots mm-hmm. which might have looked good at the time but like in a year it's dated yeah if it's even good then because sometimes it's not no 
There's only a handful of movies we, with CG in them that still look good we, years later. We would have gotten an over-the-top transformation scene. And I think, a tra- like, even though they wanted to avoid it, a transformation scene is the one thing I'd add in a sequel. They did, But yeah. it would, it'd be full practical effects. And the transformation scenes we had were, like, people, like, fall behind the table. And then, they, and then yeah. they're just a werewolf. There's no clothes on or anything. I love that Megan got shot in the head while she was transformed. <laughs> this is just like the best way to handle that. That's a that's one more thing I probably would have added is some way to distinguish which one of those werewolves was Megan from that point on. Yeah. Well, I assume she was killed there. I assume that she couldn't be killed because she was already a werewolf. I mean, she was like shot in the brain. I guess. I. Again, another thing I would have changed is I would have never given these guys real guns mm-hmm. it would have been all about trying to find ways to survive without because they came into this situation with fake guns so that's going to tie into my coons yeah but i'm, I'm going to save that for later okay um for our second kings and coons yeah uh anything else on the effects or scary shit or the werewolves themselves anything before we move on uh, i think that the effects team whoever they are i don't know i'm going to look that up later deserves all the praise in the world and I hope you're getting work now. I have the IMDB page up. Let's 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 look you guys up. Cuz whoever's responsible for the costumes and those sorts of effects and I also just like the setting like the house was really well designed. All of you guys that freaking Chippendale movie. I want to see it. Have you did you see that the old ugly Sonic is in it? No. From before they changed <laughs> Sonic's design, they ha- and he even calls himself Ugly Sonic in the movie. That's funny. I uh, yeah, but the the special effects team. Okay, so art direction, set direction, costume design, makeup department. department. So a lot of people. Yeah, you were not surprised. The art department. You all did a fantastic job. I Spe- hope you're still getting work. Here's the special effects team. I know that uh, Hollywood is very into CGI. Uh, Let's just click on a random one. The animatronic model designer. Okay, Richard that's a big Dar- one. Yeah. Richard Darwin. <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh wow, he has. So the, their last special effects credit was X-Men: Dark Phoenix. Hey, they were on Shazam. And Shazam, Power Rangers, Star Trek Beyond, Apocalypse, Days this- of Future Past. Underworld, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. This person has a career. Yeah, they do. Smallville, Harry Potter, so Hellboy. I, I guess I was worried about them having work over nothing. They worked on Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, which is like one of the best practical effects movies. It, it, if not the best. Yeah. It, it's a contender. Yeah, this person this person has a career. <laughs> let's, see, let's click on one more. Yeah, okay. So, special effects technician, foamer, physical effects supervisor... Special effects makeup, Keith Wilson. So there's twenty twenty. As of twenty twenty, they were still working. Inkheart, Warhorse. Actually, they haven't done a lot. Not not as much as the other dude. No. They did work on the Mummy, which has great effects. And they've worked on some not the most high profile stuff, but some they've worked on some stuff. Yeah, and I like Inkheart. Inkheart's good. I haven't seen Inkheart. It's fun. Um, Brendan Fraser's hard for me to dislike. I want him to play Bizarro in the next Superman movie. That'd be cool. I heard he was coming back to acting. He's in, uh... Oh, it's a DC show. I should know the name of this. Batgirl? No. Well, he is in Batgirl, though. (laughs) Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, the robot. Uh, the guy who played... 
Billy Boyd who played Pippin in Lord of the Rings. He's in that show. But people have uh, shown pictures of him like currently next to Henry Cavill, and he looks like Bizarro Henry Cavill. Hmm. That'd be cool. And I'm like, I I'd fund it. Yeah. I feel so bad for this dude. Like his divorce completely screwed his career. Yeah. Let's not get into that. Yeah, and, I, and he's such a good he's such a good dude. Yeah, I love Brendan. I've loved him since I was a kid. Not just the Mummy movies, but other. Yeah, movies. no, like he's been in great stuff. But the, the mum, like the original Mummy, is like is like a big movie for me. Oh my God, are you Stephen King? No, I'm Dean Koontz. Oh. <laughs> Okay, Kings and Coots. Okay. Um, before we get into how hard did you have a hard time with the Coots or no? I had a, a harder time than I expected. So what? Go ahead then. What is your king and your Coots? My king is just like the entire last sequence, like I said before, mm-hmm. when there's three of them left and Spoonie's fighting one of them in the kitchen because he couldn't get upstairs with the other two, mm-hmm. and then the other two are like crawling through windows and closets and shooting their way through floor. That entire sequence is like a Nat 20 scene. Damn near perfect for a werewolf siege movie. It's really great. My my Koontz, and I kind of already brought this up, is the movie kind of set up for them to have fake guns, mm-hmm. which is like, would have eliminated the whole, well, what if you had an automatic rifle against a werewolf? You wouldn't have to think about, like, regeneration or anything, because they just had fake guns. They couldn't do shit to them. Right. That's probably how I would have written the movie. But I also have not made a movie that's made six point something million dollars. So, yeah. so for me, my king is just the practical effects and the werewolves in general. I do like the werewolf designs. I mean, at, like practical effects are huge for me. I'm the biggest Star Wars fan. Like this is this is what I want to see. I actually, and I really think it's important in horror, like CG probably comes off worse in horror than in any C- other genre. I think CG has been the death of modern horror. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, sometimes there there are some movies... There, there are some movies that... they have enough it. money that that it works. And, and there are some movies that probably you couldn't do without it. Yeah. But there are some movies where I'm sitting there going, you could have literally hired a makeup artist to mm-hmm. create a beautiful-looking creature. Yep. And then my Koontz uh, is similar to yours... So there's this once they get into the house there's this whole scene or montage really where they're going all over the house looking for weapons because they know they're low on ammo like somebody gets an axe they get the sword like mm-hmm. they grab stuff from the kitchen and then I feel like they do a little bit with the sword but other than that they don't really do much with any of that stuff. I feel like the sword coming back like right at the end yeah. being shoved into his mouth. I wish they would have done more with the sword. Mhm. And, and then just, like, more with, like, they get to the point where they actually run out of ammunition and they have to start going hand-to-hand with these like things. Like, they were using a camera at one point. Yeah, yeah. I, they did use the camera, which was cool, but... But I, I would have done more of that. I would have probably eliminated the guns. Maybe, maybe they get a couple handguns off of the Spec Ops team. Yeah. But the Spec Ops team was there to capture one, mm-hmm. so it made sense that they had nets and tranquilizer darts. Yeah, or, or using like some of that and trying using them lethally would have yeah. been cool. That um, that's probably 
But that's more of like a scripting thing. Yeah, so. this, and this is kind of me being nitpicky. I kind of had to think about a coup. Like, yeah, it wasn't like most things we watch where I have to like. There's j- a definite. Yeah, like oh, like, like I hate this. There, there's nothing I hated in this movie. Like when I'm sitting there watching it, I don't think about that too hard. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies. You just have. It's a fun movie to watch. Okay, so we are going to move on to ranking, and then we're going to get into homework where we're going to talk about the sequel or lack thereof of the sequel. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm ranking first, running down the, our current lists. So so far I have the Mist film, the original Firestarter film, the Mist TV series, Firestarter Two, Stand Twenty Twenty, Stand Nineteen Ninety Four, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, the new Firestarter X Phantoms. Um, I'm just putting it straight at the top. It's I I like it more than everything else on the list. Dog Soldiers is my number one. That's pretty. That's high praise. Okay, now your current list. It I, okay, and just real quick, like it was. I, I there's a lot of stuff I like on the this list. Mm-hmm. So far, I would say out of all the stuff we watched, the only things I love are the Mist movie and Dog Soldiers. <laughs> Same. So there, there's parts of the fire original Firestarter movie I love. There's parts of the Miss TV show I love. There's but, part there's parts of X that I love. Yeah. But but the only things like we've watched so far that I think are like truly great are the Mist and Dog Soldiers. Mm-hmm. And it so for the question was well, which one is higher is as wonderful as the Mist is is like the the couple times I've watched it it puts a lot of dread on me and it's really stressful. Mhm. Whereas Dog Soldiers is just super <laughs> fun. fun to watch. So I just put it above it for that reason. Uh, Dog Soldiers is my number two for the exact same reasons. I just prefer Dread. Okay, so <laughs> your list is The Mist Film, Dog Soldiers, Original Firestarter, X, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, Mist TV, Firestarter 2, Stand 1994, Stand 2020, New Firestarter Phantoms. Yes. Okay. I just I I prefer a sense of dread and just complete lo- loathing in myself other than fun. Last time I watched the mist, like I I got like almost physically sick thinking about that little boy dying at the end. <laughs> I imagine that is a lot harder for you. Yeah. Okay, so going into homework, we're going to talk about what we would do for a sequel, but first um, we're going to go over. Some the, of this development hell. Yeah, and I'm just going to kind of read over what was on the wiki page and then feel free to contribute anything you know from over the years. Uh, so 2004, they announced a sequel, Dog Soldiers Fresh Meat. They announced that it was going to have a 35-day shooting period and the budget was going to be $5.5 million, and this was American It was because it was going to be produced uh, in America but shot in either Canada or Luxembourg. The plot would involve Cooper being picked up by an American team. And we find out they were the real the real opponents for the war games. Um, and then a year later, it was elaborated that in the first film, it was a family who was going to be the werewolves in this team. It would be an actual team of werewolves who were real soldiers, like actual soldiers who would turn into werewolves. There's dog soldiers. So I... I don't know how great that sounds on paper, but I'm sure it, it still could have been... It could have been... I think it sounds kind of counterintuitive to the things I enjoyed in the first movie. But it still could have been fun to yeah. watch. It changed directors in 2005 to Michael, Michael J. Bassett, who does not have an IMDb page. Mm-hmm. 
It then changed directors again in 2006 to Rob Green, whose only film is The Bunker. He reworked the story, and here's the quote from the wiki page. It said, some of the characters actually love being a werewolf because they are so powerful, so I don't really know what that means, but that's all the... The ultimate killing machine. What it sounds like to me is he watched an American werewolf in Paris (laughs) and thought it was a good movie. Uh, and then in 2000, by 2008, all uh, information on production of this movie has been removed from the web. In 2011, uh, it was announced that uh, a Little Red Riding Hood-inspired web series, Dog Soldiers Legacy, directed by Ryan Lightborn, would, be a, would go into production. And they actually produced a teaser trailer, which is titled Dog Soldiers Red, and that is still available on YouTube. You can go and watch it now. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. All right, we'll watch it right now. Okay. Oh, I, I'm, I'm excited. Please hold while the guys look this up on YouTube. Ryan, feel how hard I am. No. <laughs> I mean later. Smartphone ruined it. Oh my god, that text is so fucking. <laughs> That's what it would be on the senior's phone, not hers. Yeah. Okay, so that trailer was like awesome. Yeah. So the guy who's going to direct this web series, he actually, uh, I think he said he, he used his mom and his daughter, or uh, he used some members of his family to actually do this teaser trailer. That's great. He for, did a good job. Yeah, for next to nothing, just because he wanted this to happen. Um, and I'm sure. It wasn't his, it was probably not his fault, but of course nothing happened with that. And then in 2014, it was, a poster was released. For Fresh Meat? Yeah, for Dog Soldiers Fresh Meat, and it said coming in 2014, and nothing happened with it. Uh, And that's kind of the last word we've heard on it. And then I wanted to read this that was on the wiki page. Uh, Neil Marshall stated in the audio commentary for Dog Soldiers that the moment in the film where Megan cuts her hand on a shard of glass was meant to be a setup for a sequel about werewolf DNA, which would complete a planned trilogy. However, he added that planned sequels would probably amount to nothing now. Kickstarter is a thing, and I I can't fund a whole movie myself, but this would be one of those rare projects where whatever the $100 tier would get me, that's what I'd probably donate to it. Yeah, I would I would contribute some amount from some amount of money, maybe not a hundred dollars, but yeah. I would I, I have would, more, I have a little bit more disposable income because I don't have children. I would definitely contribute something to this. Um, I would love I would love to see a sequel. 
hopefully still with practical effects, but at this point I would take anything. Would you be willing to direct the sequel? Sure. 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 If it happens. <laughs> yeah, I would do that. <laughs> um, um, also, did you know there is a making-up documentary about dog soldiers? Um, I'm tacitly aware of it. I haven't seen it. I had the title. I've listened to some of the commentary on the original DVD, and that's been about it. So it is. It was produced in 2015. It's called Werewolves vs. Soldiers, The Making of Dog Soldiers. I spent a couple minutes looking for it online and didn't see it. I am going to try and find this for us to watch and, and review on the on the show. It might be a little challenging to find, but I'm, I'm going to try. I'd be I'd be willing to watch it. So if it, if anybody has um, a source for watching the making of Doc Soldier's documentary, please hit us up. Okay, so what what would you want for a sequel in terms of both the story and the format? Do you want like a movie, a, I, a I, mini series? I I definitely want a movie, mm-hmm. and kind of carrying into that same uh, Predator and Night of the Living Dead sort of comparisons. Yeah, I would set it in a big city, mm. so I'd probably need about double the budget. There'd only be one werewolf, mm-hmm. but it'd be going around the city murdering some people. And the one thing I would really add would be a transformation scene, full practical effects. Yeah, I I would also go for a movie, full practical effects. Um, probably do something like a a detective is working on a murder case. This would never happen, but I would love to have Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah. And Doug Jones would play the werewolf. <laughs> Doug Jones, huh? Yeah. Okay. And other than that, I don't care. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's fine. <laughs> I just want to see it. I would love to like send an email to Kevin McKidd, who's like rich from Grey's Anatomy money. He'd be like, hey, uh, do you want to come back for Dog Soldiers 2? And I'd be like... Uh, and kill him off in the opening credits. You don't have to pay him too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what Charlton Heston did, the second Planet of the Apes. He he refused to do it, and then eventually he said, "Okay, I'll do it if one, I'm only in a little bit of it; two, you you kill the character; and three, I'll, I'll just donate whatever you pay me to some kids' it's uh, thing." That's great. Yeah, I uh, I'd like to get the original director back because he seemed to care about it a lot. Yeah, New Marshall. Yeah, he spent six years on the script treatment for. For this movie, which you probably, if you just like watch the trailer, you probably wouldn't think, oh, I bet they spent six years writing this. I, I, I know people have probably told him to put it on Kickstarter before, and I doubt he'll ever listen to this podcast, but on the rare chance. Let's just Google him real quick. And just, just, just try it. I don't even know if he's like still working. Let's see if he has a Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. I found a near Marshall. I hope that's him. I love that picture. No, this isn't him. So his IMDb page, he looks like Werewolf Dave Filoni. <laughs> A Werewolf Dave Filoni. I'll show you. Hold on. Okay, IMDb Neil Marshall. There he is. Oh my god. Doesn't he look like Dave Filoni? He looks like Werewolf Dave Filoni. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he still working? Uh, yeah, oh, he's... 2020. Yeah, he's... Producing the layer right now, as director, which he's also directing. Listen, I know that Hellboy movie probably put a sour taste in your mouth, but you can get good taste back with Dog Soldiers. Have you seen anything else he's done? Uh, no, I don't think so. 
I haven't either. And I, I intend to watch that new Hellboy. I just haven't done it yet. He he directed one episode of Westworld, two episodes of Lost, like the new Lost yeah, in Space that. from Netflix, uh, one episode of Hannibal. I want to watch his other movies. He directed two episodes of Game of Thrones. It's not bad. Yeah. I heard Doomsday. That. Yeah. So, like, he's done some stuff. Um, so our question for the listeners this week is, what's your favorite piece of werewolf media? Movies, comics, books, video games. Just hit us up on our socials, which you'll be hearing soon. Uh, for further reading, just general uh, werewolf stuff that I had written down, Cycle of the Werewolf slash Silver Bullet. Mm -hmm. Silver Bullet's another great, like, low-budget practical effects uh werewolf movie that's really good another favorite of ours uh cursed i know you're a big fan of the howling we mark the beast the rudyard kipling short story which we reviewed a little while ago uh, and also a novel i just read the hunger by Almakatsu. it is horror meets historical fiction it's the the donner party tragedy but instead of uh, them all starving to death. They're hunted down by uh, Indian werewolves. I want to read that now. It's on our short list for next year. I have a uh, I have a movie to add to this. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, because it has a lot in common with Dog Soldiers. Low, low budget, passion project, late phases, which is about a blind veteran being besieged by a town of werewolves. That sounds awesome. It's amazing. You that would love it. Great. <laughs> they they kill his dog. <laughs> <gasps> so, his entire, the entire movie is him going, I'm gonna fuck whatever this is. <sighs> and so he's just this lonely old blind veteran whose son is, like, not paying attention to him. He just, just starts doing, like, his training montage of push-ups and setting up traps. Is he Clint Eastwood from, uh, oh god, what's the movie? Wow, let me look up who this guy was. What, what's the movie where Clint Eastwood says every racial slur that whatever was? Is it? Grand Torino. Yeah. The, the one with the, uh, were they Vietnamese or? They were, they were not Japanese and they were not Chinese. I, they but were, he calls them every one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. They were either Korean or Vietnamese. They're, they were not Laos and I would have remembered that. Our that. bonus episodes are going to become different werewolf movies we recommend to each other. Sure. <laughs> That's great. I love yeah. it. Why not? Um, anything else werewolfy? Um, I'm a big fan of the Howling books. I've already mentioned that. Yeah. Um, so, we mentioned Silver Bullet Cycle of the Werewolf. That's th Those are very two different ways to tell that same story. Okay, here's, a, here's uh, something werewolf uh, that... Uh, Dance in the Vampire Bund. That is different. <laughs> uh, re remember, like, you watched the first couple episodes, it was like, this is garbage. Mm -hmm. And I watched the first couple episodes, it was like, this is garbage, but then I watched a couple more. You convinced and, me to watch more of it. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I had to, like, twist your arm to watch the rest of it. Um, Rosario Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, but I like it. it. It's the right kind of bad. It's... Uh, read the manga. The uh, I have read. I have not seen the anime, but I have read the manga. The anime leans way harder into the fan service stuff. That see, I, I read the manga and then w I watched the first couple episodes of the anime, and I was just like, no, like this. I don't need all these panty shots. Yeah. In the in this 
the story is good it, enough without it, it. And there was already like there wasn't a lot of fan service. No, it was like ton- more tongue in cheek. Yeah, there's a boob joke here and there. It's a fucking manga. You're gonna get that. Yeah, it's, it's a good manga. I like it. Um, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I uh, just want to go over what we have upcoming on the Horror of Babylon. So next week will be our final episode on Stephen King's It. We'll be covering last uh, part five, the last interlude, and the epilogue. And then the next week, which is the first Sunday in July, we will be doing the 1990 miniseries. Next book episode will be covering the manga Mermaid Saga by Marumiko Takahashi, which I love. I have uh, a great Mermaid Saga story when we get to it. Great. Can't wait. And then July 17th, It Chapter 1 from 2017. And then our next actual book will be July 24th, Carmilla by J. Sheridan Le Fanon. We will definitely have a guest for that. Yes, and I'm super excited. I love that book. And then the last weekend in July, we are wrapping up our It coverage, sadly, with It Chapter 2 from 2019. I wish there were. I wish that wasn't the last thing we were going to talk about. But I think we might get the best content out of that. Yeah, I, I bet it's going to be a good episode. It's just going to be us bitching for two hours. And and now we are going to announce what our our next novel will be. So the first Sunday in August, August seventh, we will be covering in its entirety Stephen King's Salem's Lot. So when you are are done with it, if you're you. You know, we will be doing Mermaid Saga and Carmilla, but those are both really short. The next big tro- project will be Salem's Lot, and we're going to cover all all of the everything that's involved with that. Uh, the second Sunday in August, we are going to do the original miniseries from the 70s. Then the next week, we are going to do Jerusalem's Lot, which is Stephen King's short story that's a prequel to Salem's Lot. The next week, we are going to do Salem's Lot miniseries from 2004 with Rob Lowe, which you've never seen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the first Sunday in September, we are going to cover the short story One More for the Road, which is Stephen King's short story that's a sequel to Salem's Lot. And then the new movie comes out September 9th, so our episode releasing September 11th will be covering Salem's Lot 2022 Please, please, God, make this better than Firestarter. I, I, I hope so. Uh, the last—it's kind of surprising. We were on a Stephen King high for movies for like a hot minute, mm-hmm. and then it was like uh, I didn't like it, Chapter Two, and I didn't like Pet Cemetery, and now I really didn't care for this Firestarter. Okay, so Firestarter was actually the first Stephen King movie we've gotten since 2019. And we got three movies in 2019, which were It Chapter 2, Pet Cemetery, and Doctor Sleep, which I only liked one of those, which was Doctor Sleep. I haven't seen Doctor Sleep yet. I think you'll probably like it. I'm a fanboy of the director, so. And then prior to that, we had, in 2017, we had It Chapter 1 and Great. The Dark Tower, which The Dark Tower is maybe like the worst received Stephen King movie of all times. Um,. But yeah, I mean, so... Oh, Night Surf is up there. Yeah, all those <laughs> Night Surf dollar babies. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I'm really hoping that Salem's Lot is going to be good. 
But yeah, um, well, thank you very much for joining me tonight, Daniel. I am. I had a great time. We I, got to talk about dog soldiers. And we went for over an hour on dog soldiers, which might be our longest movie episode, except for maybe The Mist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Take stay tuned for our socials and stay scary. Stay scary, everybody. And now for the obligatory socials. Like, share, and subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. Follow Daniel at DStarSick on Twitter. Follow Ryan at Darth Damio on Twitter. Find the podcast on Twitter at HorrorPod69. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads. Become part of the community by joining the Facebook group or asking for our Discord link. Email us at thehorrorofbabylonpodcast at gmail.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash thehorrorofbabylon. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. I need a drink.